Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, everyone. It's great to be with you today. My name is Tyler, and I serve as one of the pastors at the Ridge. And right now is one of the biggest times of year at our in-person locations, as we're in a great summer series called At the Movies. And At the Movies is a message series where we take movies and we use them to illustrate truths from the Bible to help us all take our next step to follow Jesus. And due to copyright laws, we can't post these movies on demand on our YouTube channel or on our podcast like we do most weekends. And so I wanna invite you to join us for At The Movies at our in-person locations in Greenfield as well as Oak Creek Franklin. And you can also catch the At The Movies messages uh, during one of our live services online on our website and our TV apps. And now you can get all of the details for that at our website, theridgecc.com. But since you're on our YouTube channel or you're listening to our podcast, we wanted to do something extra for you during our At The Movies series. That is, we are walking you through a series addressing how we have all said something, and then after saying it, we wish we could take it back. We even have a saying for it, I just put my foot in my mouth. And all of us have stories where we've said some things, um, or one thing, that we wish we could go back and take that back. Well, because we put our foot in our mouth. You know, my wife and I, we host a Ridge group in our home, and a couple of weeks ago after my Ridge group left, Andrea and I started talking about the group. And Andrea said to me, I can't believe you said that about me. I was confused. I was trying to replay the entire night throughout my mind. I didn't know what that was. And so I asked, well, what did I say? And guys, you know that look. She gave me that look. And she, that look that said, hey, genius, you should know. And then she said out loud, you know what it is. Well, I tried replaying the night again through my mind and I still don't know, but I know that I said something that put my foot in my mouth. Now we all know the feeling of putting our foot in our mouth. I mean, we've been taking this time to remind ourselves about the power in the words that we say. And the passage that has been driving this series is written by King Solomon, where he writes this, the tongue has the power of life and death. There's incredible power in the words we say. And so here's our big idea for the series. Our words have the power to give life or take it. Not just give or take life for other people, but also for us. And we've been taking time to learn together how to be intentional about using our words to give life into our relationships. And so if you missed any of the previous weeks, you can actually catch up on our YouTube channel. But today, we're gonna wrap this series up by looking at criticism. And criticism, at first, it's different than feedback. I mean, there's constructive feedback that we can give and receive from others to help us all get better. I mean, good coaches provide this type of feedback and they say, here's what I've noticed, and here's what I think you can do to get better. And that is good feedback, but it's not criticism. Criticism that we're talking about is unkind, often cruel, often uninformed. It's given to tear someone down rather than helping them get better. And most of us remember a time when we've been criticized. I was on staff at a church in Illinois in my early 20s and my primary role was to lead our students. 
But I was also asked to do a lot of different things in addition to that. And one of the things that I regularly did was run the slides on the computer throughout the service. And this computer was up in the middle of the balcony where some of the people sat. And one Sunday morning where I got to the balcony, there was an envelope with my name on it. I opened up the envelope and I pulled out a letter addressed to me. And I can still picture this letter in my mind. It read, you are a horrible leader and role model. I'm disappointed that our students look up to you and we want you to leave. And there's no name written on the letter. I remember reading it and I was just stunned at first. I wasn't sure what to expect in there, but I never expected that. Well, after reading it, it turned into me getting angry, upset, sad, and even embarrassed. And I started asking, what did I do to get this? And after a while, my insecurity started to sink in. I began to doubt myself and I questioned my leadership. And I started to think, yeah, maybe whoever wrote that is right. Maybe I am a horrible leader and role model. Maybe students shouldn't look up to me. Maybe I should leave. And that's what criticism does. It tears others down by tearing them apart. And here's what some of us might be thinking right now. I'm so glad that we're talking about this because my spouse needs to hear this. I can't wait to send a link of this to my boss or my coworkers. And you have that list of people that you think that this is the perfect thing for them to hear. But here's what I want you to keep in mind. We're talking about putting our foot in our mouth. See, the truth about criticism is that it's really easy to see when others criticize us because we feel the pain when we're criticized. But we often don't realize when we criticize others because we focus on what the other person has done. After all, we see how they spent their money in an unwise way, or how our significant other hasn't kept another promise, or we think that they aren't parenting the kids uh, the way that they should be, or we don't like the policies that a certain politician stands for. And because of that, we criticize, and we do the very thing that other people are doing to us. And there's a popular passage of scripture that gives great insight into criticism writes, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. See, most of us have heard some form of this passage before. Treat others the way you want to be treated. It could also be referred to as the golden rule. And for the most part, regardless of your spiritual background or beliefs, we agree with passages like this. It has this feel-good sort of thing. However, most of us stop reading here and we don't realize what comes after this. Paul writes, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. The words Paul uses here literally means wound each other's souls. Love your neighbor as yourself, but be careful. If we're critical, cutting others down and harsh with our words, we aren't loving one another. Instead, we are wounding each other's souls. And many of us are wounding other people with our criticism and we don't even know it. For some, our critical words may be the reason why our marriages are falling apart. For others, the critical words we say, that might be the wedge between us and our kids. And then for others, the critical words we post on social media, that may be driving away friends in real life. And for Christians, it may be our critical words that are actually keeping people away from Jesus. And because of that, we can't get over how critical we are. And so Paul says, here's a way we love one another. We become careful with our words so that we do not wound them. 
And so to help us practically do this, we're going to look at just one verse that comes from one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's called Proverbs. And if you don't consider yourself a Bible person, or if you aren't sure if you believe the Bible, I want to encourage you, just read through the book of Proverbs, which is a collection of wise sayings. And my hope is that you see the amazing insights behind these sayings and how these insights can actually help your relationships. And you don't have to believe the Bible to actually put these uh, insights into practice. And so this proverb is known as a contrasting verse. It says one thing about a subject and then a completely different thing about the subject. And the proverb we're going to look at is Proverbs 12, 18. Here's how Solomon, the author of this, begins. He writes, some people make cutting remarks. This is another way to say criticism. Paul said wounding. It's the same thing. Here's what criticism does. Criticism cuts. And if you ever want to see criticism cut, here's what you do. Go on social media and then look at the comments. There you will see countless cutting remarks about leaders, organizations, news stories, schools, people, and different generations. I mean, just scroll down and you'll see cutting remark after cutting remark after cutting remark after cutting remark. I mean, that's what criticism does. It cuts. And it's so easy for us to cut others with criticism. We can cut others at work. I don't like the way she runs those meetings. I don't like how he answers the phone. I don't think we have any real plans here. We can cut our friends. Can you believe she posted that on Instagram? Do you see how they raise their kids? Or where do they learn how to drive? Illinois? We can cut others online. We can cut politicians, athletes, schools, church leaders, generations, family members, and friends. And if we keep on scrolling, we can find even more people we can cut. And we even have terms to justify cutting others with our criticism. We say things like, well, I'm just telling it like it is. You know, I'm keeping it real. Here's the truth. We're not keeping it real. Here's what we're really doing. We're cutting others with criticism. And we can do this and not even know why we're doing this. But there are a few underlying reasons why we cut with criticism. First is because of pride. We tend to think we know what's best. And so that means we know what's better for the other person than what the other person does. And so we criticize them. We might think, they don't know what they're doing, so I'm helping them by giving them my advice. But we're not giving advice. We're criticizing. The second reason is because of insecurity. And most of us don't think about this, but what we criticize the most is the thing that we are actually the most insecure about. We may have insecurities in how we're raising our own kids. We may criticize other parents because of that. Or if we're insecure at our job, we criticize our coworkers just to feel better. Psychologists call this projecting onto others. This means we take our insecurities and we just cast that on others around us. And we don't realize it, but we project our insecurities onto them and we criticize them for that. And the third reason we criticize is because we don't understand. We criticize things that we know little about. For example, a lot of people without kids find it easy to criticize parents. I mean, for me, before I was a parent, I would see parents with their two-year-olds in a grocery store, and that kid would just throw a tantrum. And I would think, oh, I'd be so much a better parent. My kid would never throw a tantrum in the store. Well, I became a parent, and then I get a two-year-old, and I take that two-year-old to the grocery store, and here's the thing. I have learned that kids have a mind of their own. And so my kid throws the tantrum, he cries, he grabs things, and while I get him out of the store, I realize how hard it is to be a parent and that I'm now the parent that non-parents are criticizing. Here's what criticism does. It not only cuts those who criticize, 
it also makes us look arrogant, insecure, and judgmental. Ask yourself, have you ever met a critical person that you actually like being around? Well, when we criticize, we are that person. But the good news for us is that this is only the first half of the proverb. Here's the second half. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people, arguably most people, cut others with criticism. But then Solomon says that there is another group of people, and this group is known as the wise. And wise doesn't mean smart. It's bigger than that. Being smart means you have a good understanding. Being wise means you make good decisions based off of that understanding. And this includes the words that we use. Smart people understand that criticism cuts other people. Wise people, they take that understanding and they make good decisions about their words. And here's their decision. They use their words to heal others. The word Solomon used could also mean bring peace or make someone whole again. And so here's our big idea we get from this. Criticism cuts, but the words of the wise heal. Well, shortly after I received my love note at the church that I was on staff at, a friend of mine saw me and he could tell that I was upset and that I, I just looked really down. And this friend was a parent of two students who were in the student uh, community that I was leading. And he saw me and asked me what was going on. And I, I told him about finding the note and what it said. And I showed it to him. And, and I just asked him, said, hey, do you agree with this? I mean, is this person right at all? And what he said next was so powerful and healing to me. He looked at me, he said, Tyler, I couldn't disagree more with the person who wrote this note. He said, my kids, they look up to you. They love you. I'm so glad that you are in their life. And then he said, actually, I couldn't think of a better person to be in the position that you are in right now. And I know for a fact, many families here feel the same. And we couldn't imagine you actually not being here. And you know what happened? It felt like that cut that came earlier was beginning to heal. Before he said that, I wanted to quit because of what the other person said. But after he said that, I wanted to become a better leader for our students. I mean, he was so wise. He used his words to heal me. I'm so thankful that he said this and I'll never forget about it. But here's what happened to me is what Solomon wrote about in this proverb. That is one person's criticism cut me while the words of this wise dad actually healed me. And what Solomon wrote reminds us that a word of criticism, it can stick with a person and it can cut them for years. We may even have memories of cuts that came from a parent or a spouse or a boss or a friend that happened years ago. But he also reminds us that God can use the words of that wise to heal them. Criticism cuts and the words of the wise, they heal. You know, as we read through the biographies of Jesus, we see time and time again, Jesus using his words to heal others. The religious leaders would actually go around and they would actually cut others with criticism by pointing out their sin and accusing them. But then Jesus would come and yes, he'd call out their sin. He'd have the tough conversation, but he didn't stop there. He would bring healing with his words. He would give them a view of their lives bigger than what they were experiencing. And he showed them that there was more to their lives than their sin. Notice that Jesus shows that this doesn't mean that we never have tough and truthful conversations. We often need tough and truthful conversations. 
where we can give and receive helpful feedback. It just means that when we have these conversations, we say our words in a way that doesn't cut. And I hope we all see all helpful and life-giving it is if we all used our words to bring healing to one another. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this isn't really a choice. Using your words wisely to heal others, it's a part of what we're called to do because it's what Jesus did. And some of us might be thinking, well, I've struggled with criticism. I've hurt others with my words. I know I need to use my words to heal others, but how can I move from using my words, from cutting others to healing them? I'm gonna wrap up our time in this series by giving us a practical way to begin making the shift from cutting others to healing others with our words. And it's gonna sound so easy to do at first, you might be tempted to just brush it off. But when you try practicing this, and I want you to practice it, you'll see how hard it is and even how we'll need to depend on God to make this shift. And so, here it is. We stop and ask ourselves a question before we say, post, or even send anything. And this question is so simple that I think most of us, most of the time, we will intuitively know the answer when we stop and ask it. So here's the question. Is what I'm about to say going to cut or heal? Notice the question isn't, hey, is what I'm about to say right? Because often critical words may be right, but that's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus followers are called to use the words to heal others. Often the right words said in the wrong way, that can cut more than it can heal. Now, once again, that doesn't mean, hey, we never have tough and truthful conversations. We just need to ask ourselves before the tough conversation, what's the real reason why I'm saying this? And if the answer is anything other than because of my love for the other person, then the words are gonna cut. So if what we're gonna say is going to cut, Jesus made it clear. His followers do not cut others with their words. If the words are cutting, here's what we do. Don't say it. Don't text it, don't post it, don't send it. Because criticism cuts. But if the words can bring healing, here's what we do. We say it. Any helpful word unsaid, it actually doesn't help anyone else. They need to be said to bring healing. Our words can bring healing to those who actually need it. It might be what they need to hear just to keep going. I was talking with a dad the other day who's telling me about his relationship with his teenage son. And the dad said that they've been going through some tough times together. And there was a lot of fighting and the son would just often leave the house just in a rage. And the dad told me that he often parented his kids like his dad parented him. And this way included him being very critical towards his kids. And the dad would say that he had this natural habit to point out every fault that he found in his kids, every bad grade, every unmade bed, and every unkept promise. And at the advice of a good friend, this dad decided to make a change in the words that he actually used towards him. Late one evening, the dad tried a new approach. And he told his son, I realize I tell you everything that I see wrong. And I just want to tell you everything that I see you do right. And he went on to say, I love how you respect your mom. I love how good of a friend you are. I love your perseverance. And he went on and on. And then he said at the end, I also want you to know that I am so proud that you're my son. And the dad told me that his son broke down in, his te in tears and his son's not a crier. And he said that night was the beginning of a turnaround in their relationship. And the number of fights between the two began to lessen. 
It all started with a dad choosing to stop cutting him with criticism and use his words to begin healing that relationship. And so as we wrap up the series, I want us to make a commitment. That commitment is to become wise in how we use our words, that we bring healing to others with the words we use. And that may mean for some of us, we're gonna go apologize to those that we've hurt with our words. We acknowledge that we were in the wrong for cutting others with criticism. We realize that criticism never helps the other person. And we're committing to stop it and use our words to bring healing. What that means is we work to deal hope with whatever we say, whatever we text, whatever we post or send. When we do this, we realize that our words really have the power to give life or take it. And so let's give life to our family, our friends, our coworkers, our community, our country, and the world with the words that we say. Let's commit together by praying together. And God, we just are so grateful for this insight that you've given us uh, through uh, Solomon so many years uh, ago with just that simple, simple statement, helping us realize that the words that we say, it can either give life or take it, and criticism can cut or bring healing. And so Father, we commit to being like your son Jesus right now, to use our words to bring healing into uh, the lives of those around us. God, let us speak truth and life in a way that would bring healing uh, to our friends, our coworkers, our kids, our spouses, our significant others. God, I pray that as we do this, we would experience radical healing And God, that we would not be divided by the criticism that that has just been cutting apart so many relationships, but God, that you would use us and use the words that we say to bring health to uh, our relationships, that we would experience the wounds that have happened uh, to, to, to be healed. And so Father, as we do this, we pray, God, that we can help others understand how much you love them because we are sharing your love through the words that we use. And so Father, we commit to not putting our foot in our mouth as often anymore, but God, we wanna use the words to bring life, to show others that you are the one that gives real life. And so Father, we thank you for that source of life. It's in Jesus and we thank you for him. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.